0: Our scripture for today is Philippians 4, 4-8, if you would join us this morning, and it reads, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Well, you'll notice, um, as a few of you have already come up and said, you are cringing because I didn't have the Bible passage in the script in the bulletin for you. Um, Christy is like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to do this morning. Well, it's because over the week, um, I wrote like four different sermons of what I thought I was supposed to preach on. Um, so they're saved on my computer for some other day at some point, but I came to this sermon Um, And I have done one similar to it, and it's something that just really speaks to me. And so maybe this is more for me than it is for you guys, I don't know. But I entitled this A Call to Celebrate, and the reason I did is partly because of the book that you guys know I've been going through, The Celebration of Disciplines. And we all talk about these different disciplines uh, in our lives, And during my time at Asbury, we really focused in for an entire semester taking each week, taking a chapter. And in it, you know, there's different uh, chapters on prayer. There's different chapters on reading your Scripture, coming together. But one of the main chapters is kind of like the tail end chapter. It's that high point. And it talks about the discipline celebration that we are called to celebrate as Christians we're called to rejoice and the scripture passage is one of those passages that we spent time in with our professor and he was talking about how the word joy is very different how do you use the word joy typically would you connect it to a feeling? Happiness. Well, I want us to push past that. Because feeling is just human. It's just earthly. But in Philippians, when it calls us to rejoice, it calls us to joy. That joy is not hinged on our feelings. It's not hinged on our circumstances it's not hinged on the things around us here on earth. Simply put, and maybe we just be done with the sermon right here and there, joy comes from the Lord. If we are truly going to experience joy as it was intended from the beginning of creation, spoken into existence, I believe, just as He spoke the earth into existence, next Elio, out of nothing, I believe the Father speaks joy into our lives in the same manner, out of nothing. When we feel like we are at the very bottom, when we feel like we are trapped and crushed, He speaks. And there is Joy. And this joy is lasting in Him. It's not contingent on if we continue to feel happiness. But because it is from the Father, from the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we just proclaimed is the three in one, the God of the universe, the God who created, and the God who spoke. He calls us to this great joy. Foster loves to describe it as celebration is at the heart of the way of Christ. For He entered the world on a high note of jubilation. The angels cried out, I bring you good news of great joy. And then one of the last things He left His disciples was He bequeathed, He gave, He spoke into their lives. These things I spoke to you, that you may have My joy, that your joy may be full. Where does your joy come from? Where does that joy rest in? As I was thinking about this passage and thinking about where does joy come from, it always takes me back to this elderly saint of the church in North Carolina. His name was Charles Kinney, and I know I've shared about him. He sat about where John sits over here in our sanctuary down there, and he just had this aura of great joy about him all the time. He was the guy who really loved Scripture to the point, kind of a funny side of him, was that he married into this particular family. Um, he loved them very dearly. He knew he was marrying the family. His first wife, Esther, passed away before I got to meet her and before I got down there. Well, he really took hold of that Old Testament code and he married the next available sister in the line. And he married Joyce. Joyce was one of those ladies who was full of joy as well. And my understanding is Esther had that same joy and he wanted to be around family members who were full of joy. He wanted to engage in joy. He wanted to be consumed by joy. And for him, one of the greatest things was being able to open His Word and to commune with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't just that sacred place that seat that he sat in, but it was the time he spent. Charles himself had actually battled cancer, not only losing a wife, going through health issue after health issue over the years, but he continued to find his joy was in the Lord. It was going to the Scriptures. It was going in prayer time. The joy he had was contagious. People literally wanted to be around him. And I mean literally, this section in the pews were fuller than most other sections because people who saw him and saw his relationship with God wanted to catch it. So they thought it was kind of this contagious thing so they would actually sit by him and Joyce in the sanctuary trying to catch what they had. Try to experience what they were experiencing. They had this about them. Even when I would visit him in the hospital and he would have all the tubes and all the things connecting him, he would still share with me what God was doing in his life. Or he would share with me, you know the nurse that just left? Well, I got to talk to her about God. And she has a little relationship, but she wants to grow in it. So when you go back to the church, can you grab a Bible and grab one of those devotionals? Because I want to share with her the next time she comes in. So I know you're coming to pray with me, but run back to the church and get that right now and then come back. And you can't say no to Charles. You couldn't. You had to go do it. So I drove back to the other town and got the stuff and came. But that joy is contagious. And I believe we are called to rejoice. I believe it's scriptural. I believe Philippians just said it. Rejoice. And I'll say it again: rejoice. When did you have that kind of rejoicing? When was the last time? Think back to it. Especially connected. To a spiritual thing, because many of you over the years, I have seen you wear your pride of you know that nasty Purdue thing going on, or that IU. I mean, they don't measure up to Notre Dame, but you know, or those who love the Colts. For a while, we had a section over here that would wear their jersey every Sunday when there was a Colts game. We have great pride in those things. We create great joy, at least earthly joy. We get excited. How many of you at a game will stand up when the announcer says to stand up and welcome the team as they come through? During our football times, um, as I was the chaplain in North Carolina for our high school team, At the beginning of every game, they would actually ask the fans to stand up because the team would march in through the stands and down the bleachers and onto the field. And there was great excitement. You heard their feet rumbling on the metal bleachers and down the steps. And people got into it and they got excited. When in your spiritual life have you got that excited? I think about my baptism. I think about that time when God spoke into my heart and I came to know Him as Lord and Savior. I think about my time at Frankfurt Campground before it was air conditioned and going to the altar and thought I was simply praying with somebody because they had come to the altar. And realizing that God was speaking into my heart. That's a day of great joy. Or when Alicia and I got married. And we had a wedding ceremony that was a little bit different than most. We had a commissioning service during our marriage. That we were becoming one. Not just as husband and wife for husband and wife's sake. But becoming one in the sight of God Almighty. And He was calling us to ministry together. When is that in your life that you have great celebration for what God's been doing in your heart, in your life? Over the years, I've heard many messages on many different things, looking at the spiritual gifts. And I think we kind of Lose fact or lose sight of Galatians chapter uh, verse 22 um, in chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lots of times we look at that and we say, oh, love, we need to have that. We need to have peace. We need to have kindness and goodness and faithfulness we skip over the joy. The author here in Philippians is calling us right from the first verse that we're looking at. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. So I believe there's three clues that we can see living out a life of celebration. And the first is this call to get along with others, to let your gentleness be evident in all. The Lord is near. Gentleness has this idea from the Greek understanding and we see it in 1 Timothy chapter 3 as well. This gentleness should ooze out of every part of who we are. It should not just describe the leaders of the church As in Timothy, it is calling us as Christians, as brothers and sisters, to have gentleness to one another and to the world. This passage is pushing it out the boundaries in Philippians. That we are to have gentleness as a fact of life, a way of life, of who we are. One of the best ways... In trying to define something is to actually see what it's not. The other words in Greek that we would translate for the opposite of gentleness are connected to harshness. Connected to this scary sense of being. This darkness that's inside people. Paul uses it in a way to go past just kindness or being polite. The gentleness comes from your heart, from your core, from your soul, from the very essence of who you are. It's connected to this idea of bearing with one another, going that extra mile, There's people in this world who don't experience that kind of gentleness. But an outflowing of who we are as we are called to have great joy and great celebration flows gentleness towards our fellow man. How do you want to be remembered? Not too long ago, I was sitting Uh, at Jack's Donuts, not here in town, but up by headquarters. And I was sitting with a dominational leader and talking about some things, and somebody's name came up. And you see it in their eyes. And certain people's names come up, don't you? And it's like, "Mm, you don't have something nice to say about that person, so we're just cutting this conversation off. I don't want to be remembered that way. I don't want somebody else sitting in Jack's Donuts next to headquarters and Josh Keasley's name gets brought up for that denominational leader or that person to have that look in their eyes. When your name comes up, what are people remembering? What are people thinking? Do you show that kindness, that gentleness that flows from a life of celebration? As we move on, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The second clue I see is replace worry with prayer and thanksgiving. And I know you may say, Pastor, that is the hardest thing to do. And I am with you. It is hard. Because in the midst of transitions, in the midst of the unknown, it's hard not to worry. But I love how Paul is creating this idea. If we replace the worry, or every time that we start to worry about something, we take it before the Father in prayer and allow the Father to speak into our life, we start to have thanksgiving swell up inside of us in new and fresh ways because we start to remember everything that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit has been doing in our lives. And it creates this tension between worry and thanksgiving and prayer. And guess what? Worry can't win out. Because when the Father speaks, he speaks, and literally nothing becomes what he wants it to be. The dust on the ground becomes alive with the breath of who he is. And Adam, Adam, we are created because he speaks. Allow God to speak into your worries. Allow God to come beside you. And in that, there is something that we have to be very careful of. Because I think we do this from time to time. I'm guilty of it. I admit. I bring it to God. I feel like I lay it at His feet. And then I pick it back up. And I walk out the door and I start to process it. Oh, do I process things over and over and over and over and over. At least she gets tired of it. We have to leave things at His feet. We have to allow God to be God. And guess what? He's big enough to be the God of the universe so He can handle our worries. He can handle what's going on inside of us. And He wants to. Allow God to take your concerns your petitions and give them to God and leave them there thirdly think about what you're thinking about verse 8 finally brothers whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things Think about what you're thinking about. What consumes your mind? What is the thing that you are so focused on? I had to make a decision when I was transitioning from Asbury Seminary down to North Carolina. I moved into an apartment. That was my first time doing that. Guess what apartments come with? or you can get cable TV. So the farm boy who wasn't used to cable TV because, well, they have satellite now out in the country and that's what mom and dad have. But I didn't have that growing up. We had the little rabbit ears and you could get whatever. Well, during my time at Asbury, we had these communal living areas where the seminary picked up the bill for cable TV and they got the full package so we had ESPN all the time and I could watch sports all the games and everything and that was one of those things that started to consume my life towards the end even when I would go to the gym and work out with my friend we would be the first ones in to the gym, or the workout place at Asbury and so we'd get to pick what's on the TV so we'd pick ESPN get all the highlights from the night before Catch up on everything. It was one of those things that consumed me, and I'm not saying sports is bad, but I'm saying when that is what you think about all the time, it becomes what you idolize. And, ladies, don't get me wrong, I know some of you are sports fans, but there's a w- couple of phrases here is reality TV. Does that consume your life? Fill in the blank. Because the thing that starts to consume our thoughts, the things that take us away from finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Whatever takes us away from these phrases focusing on God and His Word those things aren't excellent and praiseworthy. But when we allow it to consume us to the point that that's what we think about day in and day out, we start to praise it. We start to put those things before our relationship with God. I had to come to the point that working out in the gym was a good thing. First thing in the morning. I haven't done that in a while, you can tell. Not like Tucker in his great uh, way this spring. But, I had to realize when I worked out in the gym at 5.30 in the morning, I shouldn't be listening or watching ESPN. I needed to pop in some Christian music. I needed to pop in my Bible app so I could hear the Word of God while I was working out. And let my mind focus on all of those things because the Bible, prayer, worship, celebration. They point us to the Father. They point us to the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, how do we do this? How do we actually live a life of celebration. Quickly, there's three things that I see to fulfill that calling that God is calling us to in this passage. Is we first need to know where you have been and where you are going. We have to recognize, just like the Israelites did long ago, in one of the first sermons that I did here, If you remember, because I made Tucker go get these stones, that the Israelites built a tower of stones to remember. To call them back to where they had been and where they were going. What God had been doing in their lives. But not just to point backwards, but also to the future. To where God would continue to take them. And so today at the end of the service, as we praise God for who He is, I'm going to challenge you. I don't have the giant rocks for you to take with you to go build a tower at your house of remembrance. But I'm going to invite you to come forward and grab a rock. And don't just leave the rock blank. I want you to actually write the word joy. Where does your joy come from? And you allow this to be a remembrance stone to point you back, even in the midst of transitions, in the midst of trials, in the midst of when you feel like everything is crushing around you. When you don't know what's next. When you can't see the future. The stone will remind you where you've been and where you're going and who you are with. It will remind you where your joy comes from. Not your circumstances, but the Lord. Remember those things. And maybe you'll want to go home and take that stone and write out. Or maybe you journal. So from time to time as you feel that stone, you'll be called to go and to look and to see. But don't forget where you have been and where you are going. Because when we do, we start to let go of the joy that comes through celebration with the Father. Secondly, remember what God has done and what God is doing. Allow the stone to reflect and to help you to recall. I was thinking about some numbers as we're getting down to the end of the year for our church year. In a world and in a country, especially in North America, eight churches close their door every single day in North America right now. We are a church that this year we get to celebrate 180 years of God speaking us into existence. It's time to celebrate that legacy. Over the last year, according to our fancy new computer system this morning, we have seen 189 different people come in the doors of our church this year, or at least since September August when the system started tracking. That's counting you all. It's also counting those visitors who came to just visit that were out of town and coming through. It also is counting those people who are starting to look for a new church home. And some of those have plugged into our body. Some of those have come to call this their home. Other numbers that we get to celebrate what God is doing we had three kids come to know Christ over the last year through different ministries of our kids program. We've seen a lady be baptized and rejoice in the freeing power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've seen new growth groups formed in the last couple of years outside of Sunday morning. We've seen people's lives be transformed as they've connected to God and to each other to grow deeper in God's Word and in community. We've also started serving in different ways and continue serving. I think about different projects at our local school through FCA, through Tucker, and ministering and going and doing devotions every week with uh, The middle school and the high school. We've also invited sports teams to the church and we've gone to them to feed them and to be a part of their devotional time before a game. Many of you have continued your work through the soup kitchen, Love Inc., The Landing, Life Care or Life Choices Care Center. This is not even counting the men and women who have been called into ministry over the last 180 years that have gone on to serve other local churches, denominational leadership, and the mission field. God is at work. And we are called to celebrate what He is doing. But if those numbers don't stir you, that doesn't prompt you for the future, this simple fact all boils down to why we should have a life a celebration, a time of joy, is number three. Who God is and will always be. He is Jesus Christ, the Unchangeable One, the One who is the same yesterday, today, and the future. And ultimately, our joy rests and hinge on Christ Jesus. Our joy does not rest on any facts, any numbers, anything else. Our joy... To be able to go to the future is in Him. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the perfecter of our faith, the spotless Lamb, the risen Savior. And in the midst of all life's trials and turbulence, testings, frustrations, He still calls us to celebrate, to celebrate with joy, simply because of who he is as God. So as the worship team comes, I'm going to ask you to not only sing in response, But to come to the altar, come to the table, simply write the word joy on a stone and take it with you to remember our joy comes from the Lord, our life of celebration comes from who He is and what He wants for us, not just today, but for the future. Will you respond to God this morning? Father God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, let our lives, let our song join with that song. A song of living a life of celebration. No matter what comes our way, we can celebrate because You live and because You are the God who never changes. You are Jesus. And our joy is in You and nothing else. In Your holy name we pray. Amen.